Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 67, Connor. 67. You know who that is? That's Benoit Pouliot, legend, Bruins one-year legend, uh, who actually wasn't too bad in his time. He was time pretty good. Right. He, he also had that filthy goal. Wasn't it like New Year's Day or something? It was like around the holiday. Remember that nasty, like, between the legs goal came out of nowhere? Which, like, again, he was like a first-round pick, right? Remember, like, was he on Montreal? And I think he, like, yes, went to a scrum. And that guy was just burying the guy. He was like, former, like, top-ten pick, doing nothing now. And then he, like, signed with the Bruins, like – Five months later. Well, he, I think what it was was uh, Ference was coming back on an icing, and Pouliot, like, launched himself, tried to hit him from behind, and Edwards went nuts. Jack yes. went just bananas on Benoit Pouliot. And then there was a fight, and it was a whole big thing. But, yeah, it was. I think that nasty goal was, if I remember right, against the Panthers. Um, I could be wrong here. And it was like a 7 nothing game. I could be completely wrong. Mm. My memory could be m- messing me up. But he was actually good. It was a good third line. It was like him, Peverly, and Kelly, I believe, uh, on that 2011-2012 team. Wow. The, the things I remember. But, yeah, Benoit Pouliot was a, was a Bruin. He was a Bruin for a little bit, number 67, uh, and that is that. But I'm Evan Marinovsky. <laughs> That's Connor Ryan. Connor, how you doing? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing great. It is a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's quite the day. And, uh, we'll, we'll dive into our first story because we mentioned the Panthers. We'll, we'll dive right in. Uh, the Bruins played the Panthers on, uh, Wednesday night. We are recording this on Thursday. So apologies in advance. We will not be touching on the Hurricanes game at all. It's that time of year again. Sorry, guys. And that's, that I put that on the schedule makers. I don't put that on us. That is on the schedule makers, um, for making that be the case. But, uh, Wednesday night, Bruins play the Panthers. We'll get to the the game itself later on, but obviously we want to start off with the biggest story in hockey, which is uh, the Kyle Beach uh, Blackhawks uh, story and how in the hell Joel Quenville was on the bench on Wednesday night. That is is one of the most shameful things I have ever seen. And I was thinking today, like, this whole story, this whole just ball, just awful story um with Kyle Beach might be the most shameful thing the NHL has had happen in my lifetime at least maybe I'm missing something but I think it is and then having Quenville out on the bench and then not speak to the media afterwards I don't know I just blows my mind blows my mind what do you it was absolutely embarrassing I mean to one like to have the the audacity to go out there and decide to coach like whether it be optics or just plain friggin common sense of, you know, after all this stuff happens, after Kyle Beach comes forward, you know, courageously and tells his story of all this horrible shit in which the Blackhawks, the NHL, the NHLPA, all these different parties with so many people involved all failed him time after time to have that happen. And then to have Joe Quenville coach that game as if it was noted from any other early October game. 
which is absolutely embarrassing. Tone deaf, pick, pick your word. There's about 10, like 10, 20 different words you can use to describe that decision. Um, just whether it be the Panthers not deciding to pull the plug right away, which they should have after all that stuff came out. Um, to the NHL not stepping in and, you know, yeah, Joe Quenville's talking to Gary Bettman actually right now as you record. So, uh, I hope that by the time this drops tomorrow, that his ass will already be fired, uh, from the Panthers. I hope that for the first time we are recording something that, uh, does not, that comes out after we record. Hope this gets dated <laughs> in some respects because hopefully he is without a job and kick the curb, uh, by the time this drops because as you said, uh, just, Tone deaf, embarrassing, disgusting. Um, for for everything Quenville has done, I mean, you whether it be the details that came from the investigation, whether it be, um, you know, Kyle Beach's own comments during that TSN interview of you know how there's absolutely no way that Joe Quenville can deny that he didn't know what was going on. I mean, he you know Beach pretty much said that you know these meetings were in Quenville's office. He was well aware of these things. It's not like whatever Quendall said back in the summer that he had no idea of these things happening. I mean, that's pretty damning, uh, damning, uh, you know, testimony results, what have you, that the fact that he's still able to coach that game, it's just embarrassing. And as you said to then, you know, deciding to coach that game, if you can sit and coach that game, then you can, you know, face the music and, and deal with some questions after to be held accountable. The fact that he couldn't do that, is it surprising? Uh, considering all we've read and found out over the last couple of days, no. Because uh, that's some weak-ass shit. And the fact that he's able to get away with that, uh, it, it's just embarrassing. And it just tells you everything you need to know about him and the multiple other systems that failed Kyle Beach uh, throughout you know this last decade. I mean, it's just, as you said, it's a black mark on not just the Blackhawks, uh, but on the NHL, the NHLPA, the game of hockey, all that stuff. It's just, it's disgusting. Easiest call in the world for the Panthers to just say, you know what, Q, you're not, you're not coaching tonight. Well, you can talk to the commissioner tomorrow, but for now, we're going to say you're not coaching tonight. We'll make an assistant the head coach for right now, and we'll we'll deal with this tomorrow. But for this game, you are not coaching. Now, I think you should never coach again, but and I think most people think that. Uh, but in the moment, that's the easy that's the easy move, and I don't get it. And you know, we can go down the list of all the ways in which this league dropped the ball t- every time. I don't think there was one thing where I was like, oh, that was good. You know, they did the right thing there. No, even down to NHL.com. Oh, my God. Like, I don't, I don't understand. And, and you know, you can go through the Taves comments. I mean, again, these teams have PR staffs. They have staffs for public relations. You would think they just sent Jonathan Taves out there like, oh, go, go talk to the media. Have fun out there, buddy. Like, it, it is incredible to me. And I, I can tell you, I think how the Panthers might look at this with the Quenville situation. Think, well, you know, we're undefeated. We have a good team. We have a legit core, which we'll get to later for the first time in years. All these things, you know, the guys like Q. I'm sorry. That team is so freaking good. The lamp above my computer right now could coach that team and it would still be good. It is un, I just I, promote an assistant, like promote an assistant. It's not that difficult. Um, it's unbelievable to me how this has gone and, um, and it's again. What's sad is it's not surprising. No, and again, as you said with the Panthers, yeah, uh, maybe Quenville's a good coach. Maybe the players like him. Uh, sounds like another similar scenario in which you prioritize winning over doing the right fucking thing, which sounds yeah. awfully familiar to what played out about ten years ago. And it's again, it's. I think the most disheartening thing of all of it, and all the horrible, horrifying details that came out in that report, is just the systematic failure across 
so many people across so many systems. I mean, from, you know, the, the mental skills coach who put the onus on beach for being in that position, which is disgusting. That was insidious. Disgusting. That was yeah. horrible. Between that to the failures of the coaching staff, the failures of the, the team itself, uh, Donald Fair and NHLPA absolutely dropping the ball and kicking him to the curb, um, which courageous of Donald Fair to release a statement. I think it was, I think I want to say it was 1153 PM when they dropped that bullshit statement. Good job guys. Um, so between that, uh, the players themselves, I mean, you, you heard Beach in the, in the interview talking about uh, that he had to deal with, you know, the fact that everyone in that room knew about it, that, you know, the next year he had to deal with, he was getting homophobic, you know, slurs thrown his way, all this stuff, uh, a failure on the players themselves. I mean, as you said, uh, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane's comments yesterday were just absolutely embarrassing. I mean, Patrick Kane saying he didn't know that. Uh, that Beach was the John Doe in that scenario that Jonathan Taze, even if it's a, a BS, you know, PR laden response, the fact that he's, you know, defending, you know, Bowman and, you know, trying to like toe the line there. Like there's no, this is not the time to toe the line when this, you know, reprehensible stuff happened. Like this is not the time at all. Um, so whether it be, yeah, the league itself, that organization, which seems like it has a whole bunch of rot in its franchise now, um, to the players, everything. There, there should be multiple barriers and systems in place to support these players when this stuff happens. And every single one of them failed Kyle Beach. And uh, for him to, you know, come forward uh, and do that interview uh, says a lot about him, how, you know, hopefully it will help others maybe come forward, uh, you know, going forward with this. Cause I'm sure it's far from the only, it's not the only time this has happened to a player. Um, and I think it just says about him. I mean, I think the, the toughest part about that whole interview is the fact that he also, you know, spent it apologizing to that 16 year old kid in Michigan who was also assaulted by Brad Aldrich. You know, this is a guy who finally comes forth. He, he exposes all these guys and he still feels like he didn't do enough when he's done more than anyone could have ever asked for, for doing this. And, uh, you know, speaking out and, and, you know, putting these people in the crosshairs for all this horrible stuff that they've done, not just to him in his career, but uh, to the game of hockey for, for what has happened. So uh, all the, all the commendation to, to Beach and, uh, you know, what it took for him to speak out on this. But as you said, um, it's just embarrassing, disgusting. Again, pick your word. Any, any word can probably fit in for, for how this has been. I mean, it's just a, an ugly systematic failure at almost every level of this game. Um, and it's disheartening to say the least. Oh, it's awful. And again, also a great interview by Rick Westhead. Yes. Uh, good questions. And the way he conducted the interview uh, was great and, and good reporting by Katie Strang and all the Chicago Blackhawks current beat writers. Um, and it's funny, you mentioned Kane and Taves and Mark Lazarus, who's a, uh, I believe he covers the Blackhawks for the, uh, for the athletic had a tweet last night. You know, he said, I get Taves and Kane wanting to be loyal to people who played a big role in their lives and careers and with whom they've had meaningful friendships and business relationships. I really do. But heaping praise on Bowman and McIsaac right now is not a great look. Yeah, that, that sums it yeah. up. You know, I get it. You, you work with guys forever. You, you feel loyal to them. But when things like this come out, you don't defend them because that is not – you don't – that is reprehensible. And I just I, – I, there's – again, and, and you, you said this, there's so many ways they drop the ball here. And – I just it's it's such a a, a dark mark, and uh, I I I don't even I mean again and we're in the middle we're still in the middle of this yeah so it's just it's it's so bad 
and and to see you know the way in which you know so much for uh, Jonathan Taves being such a great captain, huh? So much for him being you know captain serious, more like captain look the other way. I mean, good lord. So it's just it, it's it's awful. It is it is awful. And um, as you said, courageous as anything for Kyle Beach to come out and and to do what he did. Um, and and what's crazy is, and this I saw this somewhere else. You know, this was over a video coach. This wasn't even like a star player. This wasn't a, a prominent coach. It wasn't a prominent GM. This was the freaking twenty-seven-year-old video coach. And I, I, I'm not. I, I, what I'm trying to say is. That should be the easiest goodbye you've ever given. It's a video coach. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, demean what a video coach does. They're very, you know, they're very important to the team and stuff. But he's been with the team for two years. I think he could find someone else to clip the freaking videos. And, and so, also the fact that he got his day with the cup. He was still around even after oh, everyone yes, knew what that. this was. Like <laughs> it's disgusting. Like the fact it's one thing also like shame on the Blackhawks for again prioritizing winning over the well-being of one of your own freaking players, uh, regardless of what the situation is. You know, you, you put him and his life on the back burner to win a cup uh, just for the distraction part of it, right? Like, it, it's that already is disgusting. But the fact that then, after all this happened, after, again, it's not like, uh, you know, there's been other Blackhawks players, not just Beach, who were pretty much like, yeah, everyone knew by May, June, what had happened. Like, this wasn't like a thing that, you know, there was whispers of it. Like, this was a thing. After all that, you know, Aldridge still gets his day with the cup, still gets his name printed on the cup. You know, it's still around the around the team. It's disgusting. And then the fact that he gets, you know, the sign off to, you know, get a, a letter, you know, pretty much a letter of recommendation to go elsewhere. And he ends up, you know, NTDP, Miami University. And then he ends up, you know, at Hode, Michigan. And, the, you know, an, another person is victimized by him. It's disgusting. It's a shame on the Blackhawks. Shame on multiple individuals, all who either – uh, you know, let this happen or look the other way, Either, whichever way you look at it. It's disgusting. They, again, it just comes down to they, the, the, uh, the over prioritization of winning in sports sometimes is so bad that they would be willing to sweep this under the rug. That is incredible to me. Um, and I, it's gross. This whole thing is disgusting. Um, and again, uh, all the current, you know, all the props in the world to Kyle Beach for actually coming out and doing that interview and doing it virtually. I thought they would have maybe done it in person. I know he's overseas playing, so obviously you really can't do it. Um, and you want to get it out quick, but yeah, I just, the whole thing, it, it makes me sick. It really does. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, the Blackhawks should be just ashamed. That place should be completely cleaned house. And I, I know they have a little bit, but, what a shameful organization. Shameful. Um, and the Panthers, too. I mean, my God. You know, again, easiest move in the world. Just take Quenville off the bench. It's the, it, it, Come on. Like, and again, you know, you want to be so you know, such a player's coach protecting your players. Not sure what Quenville did in 2010 was exactly protecting his players. No. Far so, from it. Far from it. So it's just, it, it's so sad. And um, again, Kyle Beach, all the uh, props in the world to him uh, for what he did. But... Um, yeah, just awful. Obviously we'll have more as the, as time goes along, we'll, we'll have more. I keep checking my phone for the Chris Johnston or Elliot Friedman. It's funny, actually, when you were talking earlier or a little while ago, I got a notification that Chris Johnston tweeted and I was like, Oh, is, is this it? Is this it? And it was Believe me, I would love to have that <laughs> pop up on our feed by the time this podcast is over. We, we can have a Joel Quinn, we can have a Joel Quinville, uh, uh, firing celebration party. So, to yeah. speak. um, anyways. 
anyways, um, it's I, I would say it's probably a, a you know a, a safe bet that Quenville might get fired, right? That's probably a pretty safe bet. Hopefully, I would hopefully. hope so. Hopefully, hopefully. But when we're talking safe bets, there's only one place for that. Connor, tell the listeners. Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football is back. The B's and C's are back on the ice in the parquet, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why do you ask? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. These guys have been in the business for a long time, and they know their stuff. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. Need a sportsbook that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. And they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives you bigger bonuses than BetUS. So join now. Check out the multiple offers they have on the table, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit when you use promo code BSJ. Evan, no one beats that. Nobody. Nobody beats it. So what are you guys waiting for? I bet at BetUS, and so should you. That's BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Again, enter promo code BSJ when you sign up at BetUS.com, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. BetUS.com, where the game begins. Game's beginning. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about last night's or Wednesday night's game against the Panthers. A lot of people panicking. A lot of people panicking about the loss. Uh, obviously not a good loss. The Bruins did not look good at all. Um, but I think people have to remember it's, it's shortly into the season. I wouldn't panic on this loss itself. I would, however, there's one spot I would panic and that's long term. because let me tell you something, aside from that horrendous head coach down there, that's a good freaking team. That's a really good team. And you wrote this after the game, but they look a hell of a lot like the Bruins of about a decade ago with the core they have, you know, they have franchise defensemen. They have two solid goalies in net. Bobrovsky's killing it right now. I still think that contract blows, but that's still, you know, he's doing his thing. And up front, they are low did. Uh, do you agree? I, well, you do. You wrote this. <laughs> you wrote that. <laughs> never mind. You wrote this that, uh, that, that, uh, the Panthers are pretty poised to kind of crush the Bruins' ex- uh, dreams of another cup, maybe. Yeah, I mean, they, it's just adding another roadblock in the way for the Bruins. As much as I think people want to talk about, uh, Toronto getting off to, I think it was a 3-4-1 start. Uh, Tampa Bay's obviously, they're without Kucherov for right now, but they've been kind of sleepwalking a little bit through the start of the season. I think it's fair to assume that they're going to be in the mix. They're going to be in the way of the Bruins by the time the playoffs roll around. I think that's a, a pretty fair assumption to make, but, uh, it gets even more complicated when you add the Panthers in who look like maybe the, the biggest threat in the Atlantic. I mean, you know, you kind of talked about it, but they, if you look at like a, uh, the, the blueprint of like a cup contending roster, they kind of have all of it, right? I mean, like maybe they don't have the overall playoff experience, but they've got, uh, plenty of scoring depth. I mean, you've got guys like Sam Reinhart, Jonathan Huberdeau, uh, you know, Duclair, all these guys in like middle six roles. So, like they've already got, I think Barkov or Hagee are on the top line. So they're already set there. Um, you've got active decor. I mean, I think Forsling already has like seven points in their games and he's not even their featured guy. Like, um, like Blad, Zach Blad. You've got a, a bigger defenseman in Gudas. You've got Mackenzie Weger, who might be one of the more, he's, I think the new, like Jacob Slavin of like, he's 
super talented, very effective, but no one really pays attention to him. Like I think Uyghur's that kind of next guy. He did um, get dangled by Posture. He did get dangled play. by Posture, but as a whole, he has some t- tough times against the Bruins. Remember, he got into that fight with Achari. Oh, and he got pummeled right. in that game. So, and then did you ever hear the story of when Achari right, went to the with, Panthers yes, of how yes. he like sneaked with the number? Great, yeah. great story. Um, but you know, you look at that. You've got they've got some size uh, in the bottom six. I mean, when Achari gets back healthy, he's a key piece to that team. Uh, Marshman, you know, they've got a uh, you know Cornquist is a, a pain to play against, especially in the playoffs. Um, and then you look at their goaltending. I mean, I think there's obviously some skepticism about Bobrovsky, but he's also a guy who's, you know, a couple of Vesnas, you know, in his path. He's still a very good goalie if he gets hot. I mean, you saw in that game, uh, especially in the third when the Bruins kind of made a push, he kind of stood tall. And if he doesn't do well, you've got Spencer Knight, who pretty good backup option there, right? Oh, I mean, I, I had him as my pick for the, the Calder. He hasn't really played that much yet, but he's a good fall, fallback. So, a yeah, good player I, I, from Chestnut Hill College. That is true. Chestnut Hill, Newton, Newton Community College. Um, Newton Community College, excuse me. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you, you look at, you know, as, as you kind of mentioned, they do remind me of kind of like a 2010 Bruins where, I mean, they've got all the makings of a team that should be a problem for a long, long time. And, you know, they've got talent in place. It's all locked in. They're all really young. I mean, I think their top 10 scores, uh, right now, at least their average age is 25 years old. I think Huberto is the oldest and he's 28. And then you've got a oh, whole God. bunch of 25, 26 year old guys in their prime who are all signed, locked up. Um, good defense, you know, even younger guys in the pipeline, like Knight is only going to get better. Anton Lindell, who didn't play on Wednesday, he's 20 years old and he's got five points in five games. Uh, yeah, they remind me quite a bit about the Bruins, which is how they're built and how it seems like they're, building a sustainable powerhouse for a long time, which is not what the Bruins want to see. Like they would rather it be Florida still rebuilding. And, you know, you got Toronto in your way, which I don't think really frightens a lot of Bruins fans and a, a, a Tampa Bay team that, you know, maybe is worn down from winning two cups in a row. Like you'd like to have them on the downturn as you try to make the most of these last couple of years you have. Now all of a sudden you got Florida coming onto the scene and they look pretty good. And who knows? I mean, a lot can change over the course of a season, Hopefully they will not have a head coach uh, later on. But as you said, I think they would be just fine with whoever else is behind the bench for them. But uh, we'll see. You get to the playoffs. Sometimes it takes these teams a few years to, you know, get that playoff experience, even though they kind of pushed Tampa uh, in, in that first round series last year. But not the development you want to see. Like, it's one thing if, let's say, we're two, three years down the road and the Bruins are still clinging on to trying to go on a run and you've got, Ottawa and Detroit and these teams that are hopefully have taken a next step. Florida's here right now, and they're only really going to get better. Like, it's not – it doesn't make it any easier for the Bruins getting out of the Atlantic if Florida's playing like this. I was just about to say, that Detroit team has a – that's a good core for the future. And the Senators, if they can keep their guys there, yeah. should also be pretty good down the line. So, yeah, I mean, it, the Bruins seem like a team that is trending kind of down – um, I don't think this is a, you know, a secret to anybody, but I think they, you know, they are because, again, the drafting has been not great, which <laughs> that's a conversation we've had many times, so I'm not going to bore you with that. You didn't even mention the best offensive player the Panthers have, UMass alum Frank Petrano. How do you, how do you, how do you miss that? Come on. I'm very, I'm very sorry, Evan. It's disrespectful as anything. Greatest shot in the league. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that team is deep. You know, Sam Bennett. Uh, on the second line is the center. He's been great. Great. Yeah. Uh, they have Sam Reinhart too, who's on the wing, who's normally a center. So I mean, they've um, also just had so many guys as like breakthrough. Like Duclair looks reborn on that team. Bennett looks legit. Carter Verhage came out of 
nowhere. Nowhere. Like, he's, he's been a monster for well, them. Ducla- like, Duclair was a monster with the Senators, and then they didn't re-sign him um, yeah. questionably. So, like, Duclair was was pretty good before, but he had a goal on Wednesday. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, just put it around Linus Olmark, you know, one of the tallest guys. Just put it right around him. So, uh, that team is is really good. And um, I think it's it's no shame to, to lose to them. Uh, but you do have to wonder, how do you combat this team? I mean, what are the matchups you want? What do you need? And, you know, truthfully, there were some moments uh, Wednesday night where, you know, again, defensively, it's just like, you know, the net front coverage is not great. And, and you know, again, that first, I think it was the first goal, it was a two on five. Like that can't, not only can that, you know, not only can those battles uh, not be lost, but puck can't go in. Uh, there's so many instances there. What needs to change for the Bruins? Uh, I mean, I think, as you said, as much as I think, if you want to spin a silver lining out of the game, I think a lot of the Bruins' flaws in the game were self-inflicted or just, like, plays that, you know, it wasn't like the, the Panthers were soundly beating them in all ears, but, but it's, like, three or four major breakdowns where I think the players don't even have to look at the tape. It's like, yeah, I, I fucked up. I mean, like, as you said, yeah, first flipping. goal, you yeah, cl- I mean, first goal, uh, Fulbert and Coyle lose a puck battle along the boards, two guys who shouldn't be losing puck battles, especially when they're both in there. Um, you know, no one, I think it's Howell and Clifton don't pick up Marshman when he gets that shot off. And then, uh, I cannot pronounce the, the Finnish gentleman's name who scored the second goal for them, but, uh, buries it in running from his knees down low in the blue paint as Clifton's kind of in no man's land at the net front there. So just complete kind of breakdowns that can't happen. And whether it's the Bruins have to find talent elsewhere or, or what have you, I mean, I think one area of concern has to be that third D pairing in terms of especially Clifton on the right side. Good player in spurts, but he needs to show that he can be an everyday player uh, if he's going to step into that role and hasn't really shown it so far. Like, it's one thing to – I think the the battle all the time with Clifton is make sure he doesn't get too assertive or, or too kind of caught up in the, the cliffy hockey thing where he's taking himself out of the play. But it's just some some of these flaws are just, you know, simple defending, simple net front coverage that has been lacking. And that can't happen, especially if you want to put McAvoy and Grizzly together and kind of get the most out of that line. You can't create so many other weak links further down the depth chart that it's going to lead to, you know, your third your third parent getting scored on twice and all these other, you know, flaws. It can't happen, especially against a team like Florida. No, I totally agree. But, again, it's early in the season. We'll see what they uh, bring out against the Hurricanes on Thursday night. We'll see if any of that stuff is switched around or changed. I'm incessantly updating my – Twitter feed to see if uh, Q gets the boot anytime soon. Um, I can't wait till we end this and like five minutes after it's going to be like comes out. It's like, damn, we're so close. Maybe we'll just stay here. We'll stay on for like another like two hours and we'll just do like our business. You guys can just keep us on. But like when it breaks, you know, we're like, oh, we got breaking news. We'll put the um, timestamp in. Yeah, we'll put the timestamp in for people who want to fast forward to it. Um, but anyways, yes, uh, uh, I, I'm very interested to see what they do tonight or Thursday night uh, against the Hurricanes. Big game, still a big game. And then you get another measuring stick game on Saturday when they play the Panthers uh, at home. So you can see sort of if the top lines cancel each other out again, if, you know, how they sort of do it. Because, again, the, the the Florida top line was was not super great yeah. on um on Wednesday night. So again, that's another silver lining, but you also need to produce too. Eric Holla though, almost did score. That thing went like this close yeah. to going in. It went through Bobrovsky's leg and went like that close uh, into going in. Also, and, before uh, we go. And DeBrusque also, had a good game too. So Yeah, DeBrusque was good. Yeah, DeBrusque was good. Um, Coyle had the, the lip and he, and he scored. So, you know, <laughs> he was, it was looking pretty savage out there. But uh, there was one thing I want to talk about before we head off and maybe this will extend the time a bit. 
but Nessa not traveling uh, to games. I will say, and obviously this was a story in The Athletic about this, about uh, Jack Edwards not exactly loving it, which obviously no one's going to like it. Um, and I'm surprised, I was surprised not to hear Jack, uh, more mad about that on last night's broadcast. Like, I feel, I, I feel like I never heard him be like, oh, I could have seen that if I was there or something yes. like that. I expected something out of that, but it's funny after reading that story and, and, and now having, um, had away broadcast, some teams have a, their away broadcast or their broadcast go on the road. Some teams are, are doing that. And after listening to those and then listening to, like Jack and Brick call it from a studio in Watertown, you notice a difference. Oh yeah, you notice a complete difference. I mean, it is it is night and day when you have like the TNT or the ESPN crew on the scene, or uh, in comparison to Jack and Brick or any uh, broadcasters being at home, and it's it, it hurts the product. And 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 people know this. I don't think this is like un, you know this isn't unpopular, um, but it's tough to to listen to because it's like. They're watching the same thing I am. And it's, it's just, it's sad that Nesson can't send those, that crew on the road because they do a good job and the broadcasters should be there. So should a lot of the writers, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> but yes, I, it, I'm wondering if you kind of saw the same thing. Yeah, no, it is very unfortunate. Is it surprising? Unfortunately not. No, I think you saw how it was all. last year and you saw, I think a lot of people can look at the bottom line and see the money that can be saved by not doing it, but at the detriment of the viewers and everyone else who's paying, you know, these regional bills uh, to get access to, to this network and you're getting a, a sub pop product off of just, you know, the bottom line of money, which is unfortunate because I, I do think it's noticeable. I mean, it's how much can these guys kind of glean from looking through the same screen you are, right? It's like, they can't see what's going on behind the, you know, beyond just what is on the camera. You don't, sometimes you miss guys who are, you know, heading to the bench, all these things to kind of play into it. It's, it's unfortunate because again, it's, it's at the detriment to the viewer, the fan who, who deserves to have people, you know, boots on the ground at, at these places to get the most out of their coverage, especially if it's the broadcasting team. So, uh, it's surprising. No, but unfortunate. Very. This was not the breaking news I expected to see uh, as we recorded this. Facebook has a new name called Meta. Meta. Like, when Ron Artest became Meta World Peace, M-E-T-A, Facebook is changing their name to Meta. Is it what? still going to be shitty? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Yes. <laughs> so they can, if, if, hey, if Meta doesn't have town like groups, I'm all in on Meta. Let me tell you, I'm all in yes. on Meta. If they you're, you're, you're on the, the, the Framingham uh, community bulletin board? Well, I, I think I, I'm in some of them and I'm in like the neighborhood one and it's just amazing to watch. People have been arguing for days over when to trick or treat and people are going at each other over stuff. And it's just, it's great to, it's great to watch. Very annoying though. In, the, uh, in theory. the South Boston bulletin board one is really riveting because about, it's pretty much just cars being parked, uh, poorly and people being like, look at this asshole. That's all it is. <laughs> it's not like anything constructive it, or it'll be like, look what I did. And it's like them writing a note on it being like, on the windshield being like, fuck you, which is not good because if you're going to write that on a note, you shouldn't then post it. Be like, look what I did. Yeah. It's not a lot of thinking put into these community bulletin boards. They can be entertaining, but yes. they slowly kind of rot your brain. So, and then, and then only in Boston will pick up those uh, notes and be like, ha so funny. This only happens in Boston. Yeah. So, it's hysterical. Uh, As they tweet like a Jim and Pam clip from the office. Noted yeah. Boston sitcom, the office. Oh, everybody knows that was filmed in the in the Peru. So, yeah. I mean, come on. Let's be real here. Uh, anyways, 
Uh, before we go, Connor, what can the people look forward to over at BSJ? Yeah, we're going to be obviously, uh, whether it be uh, Thursday's game against the Hurricanes or Saturday's rematch against the Panthers, uh, pretty big measuring test for the Bruins going up against two legit teams, uh, you know, in the Eastern Conference. So we'll be breaking down all that stuff over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest every day. Bye.